You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the World Football Program. It is Saturday and we're here until 12 o'clock. It's March the 7th. Come on, Pete, get your bits together. You've got myself, Penny Tanner, host Pete Skiller, and Miranda Templeman in the studio. Good morning, everyone. Uh, good morning, Penny. And Miranda. Good morning, Penny. <laughs> and listeners, everybody, good morning. Welcome to two hours of Talking Football. We'll have a chat to Andy Arena from Vic. Park Victory, Michael Ianello, who is the new Murdoch University Melbourne Football Club president, Ben Anderton, who's the NTC head coach, and Molly Appleton from Beyond 90 about women's football. Lots happening in the football landscape, least of which was the Matildas playing and winning the first leg of their Olympic qualifier. That's right. Last night. I'd like to think we'll see them through with that result. I reckon. I'm not sure I can see much changing in the <laughs> second league of that. I think there'd need to be questions answered if they didn't get through from here. Definitely. Yeah, the squad is looking uh, pretty good. Uh, I think we all had reservations about changeover of coach very close to the Women's World Cup, but it's panning out in a way that there's less reservations happening, I think, out there. Mm. What do you reckon, Miranda? Yeah, I'd agree with that. You don't want to hear <coughs> that again. <laughs> I, I must admit that with the um, new coach, <clears throat> he seems to be doing a pretty good job. The players seem pretty happy and settled and playing in a nice style of football that I appreciate watching and it's creating a few goals. Yeah, definitely. I think it's good to you know rack up some goals ahead of the Olympics. It would definitely give the girls up front uh, a bit of confidence. Absolutely, it would. And we all love watching entertaining football. It um, creates sponsorships and crowds and bums on seats and profile for women's football but there's a lot happening outside of women's football uh, it's finals week for the NPL this weekend tonight double header between the 
men and women. We'll talk about all the finals that are happening and non-finals that are happening through the show. Uh, very much big thank you to everybody that supports the World Football Program by becoming a member of the station and you can ring the station during the week on 94942100, 94942100, become a member and then when we have uh, prizes up for grabs you can be eligible for those. We give away tickets to Glory Games and we do have tickets to give away to the Glory Game tomorrow at NIB, sorry, HBF Park. Um, I wish they wouldn't change the names of Opals ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Glory are playing. It's a second v third scenario. Yes, uh, and it should be a great game, and hopefully we can inflict a bit of damage on uh, Melbourne City on the scoreline at least. Yep. So, that's uh, Perth Glory a third and uh, Melbourne City a second in that scenario. And they haven't beaten us in the last six games against us, so... But we haven't won in the last... Is it three? I'm focusing on the positive here. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. We're sitting third on the table. We're, you know, finals contenders. Yep. Sort of choked a bit against Newcastle last week. That was a bit disappointing. Mm. Yes. And a big thank you to... Our partners of the program, Perth Glory, thank you very much, especially to the media department at Perth Glory. Appreciate uh, all the help you give with getting us guests and tickets for our listeners. Thank you, thank you. West Coast Futsal jumping back on board again with uh, Greg Farrell and uh, Fiverside Football, and they are growing, and from time to time we'll have uh, Greg on board, who is the coaching director at West Coast Futsal. They have a lot of venues, mainly north of the river, but that might change as... Uh, venues north of the river fill up and then Greg you can only come south of the river it's going to happen one day uh, thank you very much to Louis Prospero and Prosperity Strata Management uh, Louis is part of the world football team we do appreciate his time he's also the chair of the WA Hall of Fame Football Hall of Fame not to be mixed up with the AFL one that sometimes pops up in the media <laughs> and confuses people especially us on the yeah. you know, world game uh, Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron and Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Um, each week we're going to go through news uh, in the first part of the program and our first guest up is Andy Wren and we'll have a chat to him very shortly. Um, if you have any news that you want brought up, just lob it onto the World Football Facebook page. One of us in the studio will be monitoring that. If you've got any comments for guests, certainly lob them against the media wrap that appears at the top of the World Football Facebook page every Friday. So, Pete. Yes. You, how about you lead off with some news and I'll get young Andy on the line while you're doing that. Okay, well, um, going going for the... Uh, we'll go somewhere a bit left field and the Socceroos fixtures have been announced for the Copper America. So, for those of you who don't know, um, obviously every continent has their own championship like the Asian Cup, the European Cup, etc. The South American one... Just to be different, they actually invite one or two other countries to compete. So although it's a South American championship, there's had times they've had Mexico playing, they've had USA playing, uh, Qatar, Japan, and Australia is competing um, this time around in June, uh, coronavirus notwithstanding. Hopefully we don't get any refixtures there. So the uh, fixtures for that have been announced and we're in, I believe it's Group B, uh, we'll be playing Uruguay on the 14th of June, Paraguay on the 18th of June, Bolivia on the 23rd of June, Argentina on the 27th of June, and then Chile on the 1st of July. So, oh, pens 
looking excited about that. I'm listening to your pronunciation, my pronunciation. Oh, I, I, I think no I problems. pronounced Chile wrong. I think it's actually yeah, I th- Chile. I think you did, but yeah. that's okay. You actually had a crack at it and you moved right on. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I, my pronunciation is crap. I'm just, yeah. Are you allowed to say that on the radio? I don't know. Okay. My daughter's not listening. So good. <laughs> is the Australian Broadcasting Standards listening? Money in the swear jar for me. <laughs> that definitely counts as a swear. We're going to go to a quick break and we are going to come back to chatting with Andy Arena. This is Miranda, Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in. Stay tuned. 107.9 FM, your local station. 1972, under a scorching June sun in the French coastal town of Marseille, two Algerian immigrants awaited the birth of their fifth child. Later that day, a star was born. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Call it soccer, call it football. Myself, Peter Skeeler, Penny Tanner, Sean Kelly, Don Evans and Derek Pollock are the voices in your world football team, sharing the news across WA, Australia and the world for the one and only world game, the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Myself, Penny Tanner, Hoth, Pete and Miranda in the studio with me talking everything football for the next one and three quarter hours. Andy Arena is on the line. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm just uh, at our on-site sports office school where everyone's madly um, getting all their gear before season starts. So it's a bit of a panic here. Is, is there panic because there's lots of people in the same place as you or because there's a shortage because it's not being shipped from factories in China? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's mostly it's mostly um, new boots for kids. So it looks like uh, kids have only just started to um, get into the season proper and realise that their uh, gaffer tape boots aren't holding up and they need their boots. Or they've grown two sizes <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, they need to... Yep. And did, I don't know if your club Which I'm does. I'm doing for my boy, actually. Yeah. In, indeed. And that happens about every three months for me with my 13 <laughs> yeah. year old. Um, does your club do what our club does, which is Mum FC, everyone, in case you didn't know? Okay. <laughs> um, we have a boot swap over. Boot so exchange, anyone who outgrows yeah. their boots, it goes into this huge, big, cavernous box at yeah. the club and you can go and pick some more boots. So you put boots in, take boots yeah. out. It's great. Yeah, it's great. And that's, yeah, it's been. Oh, I, I saw it years and years and years ago, and uh, yeah, it's been the best thing, especially for kids um, who basically change sizes every year. So, yep. yeah, I love it. All clubs should do it. 
Yeah, and in the junior space too, you don't wear your boots out. Generally, you just grow them out in such a short time. So the boots that go into the box are pretty fantastic. It's like someone's buying new boots. Good stuff for parents. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's right. Well, it works right at our club because we have guys that have that join their club and play for a while and buy new boots and their last two training sessions and uh, do a knee for the season and then we have new boots to put in the exchange. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of speaking of knees, I just uh, I did want to get a, cu- a couple of comments from you. The growing space about um, head injuries and concussions, and some of the um, football organisations around the world have banned kids from heading the ball. Now, what's your thoughts on that, and and how you approach it at your club, Vic Park Victory, and and the kids there? Yeah, we um well it. You know, it is meant to be a non-contact sport. So part of our junior uh, training is um, having MySpace. So really, when we're doing any um, gameplay, um, they don't even need to touch another player if they're sort of within their space. We sort of pull them up for that, and um, and just you know, it's all about making um, clean tackles at the ball and not really being in a position where we got boots on top of boots or legs on top of legs or... I don't know about this non-contact bit, Andy. I have parents <laughs> yeah. come over from AFL and other sports because they want non-contact, but I, one of the girls in my 16s group, um, Jazz, get better really quick season starting soon, got elbowed in the face and had teeth lodged into a gum and had to have surgery, and I'm like, what? Non-contact sport? <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to ask. Uh, I'm not sure if we... Um, I don't think we, we put it on there public page but we should where um our, our men's coach Becky got a nice little elbow to the eye a couple of weeks ago so um she she um pulls, pulls back um from participating in the men's drills now but um she had a beautiful uh, shiny cheek for um, a couple of weeks there's a bit of weight behind some of the fellas a bit more than some of the females maybe <laughs> yeah 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 mm. but again it's you know i i Especially for young kids, where you know kids are getting into sport younger and younger, and you know, the amount of head impact you're um, imposing on them, um, I think, is something of a concern. Um, we certainly try not to do it. Part of our play, even getting in the metro teams, too, is about the ball should be played on the ground. That's you know, that's um, better football anyway, and um, we try and keep it on the ground. So a lot of our training. Uh, yeah, there isn't a need for, for us to go down the path with the kids of, of heading the ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, you know, it is a worry, and, and certainly I think developing kids, it, it's you know, more... more it, it's a problem, because if you do take it out of the junior development, then they get the senior play, and they don't know how to head a ball, so... Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that's, I mean, if you look at the female game, and I saw this fantastic photo of Sam Kerr flying high above everybody to head the ball, and it looked like she was like a metre off the ground, and I'm like, how did she do that? And then I looked at Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, and man, he has got such an amazing jump height. From a, I've seen him do exercises from a standing jump and reach incredible height to head the ball, and he's got a really good technique as well. He uses his entire body, yeah. and of course a man's physique is just different anyway, and the way he headed it was like... Think of Michael Jordan when he flies. He has this incredible technique when he does it. And you think, well, people with a really good technique and a really good physique are less likely to get injured. But then again, when we're talking about the head injuries and concussion, which has been in the conversations lately, it's about that repeated knock that um, does long-term injury. 
But again, you know, if you look at um, impact on ball, it's not so much that 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 ball contact. We are talking more about the head on head. So it's the the sender attacker scenario. It's um, hitting the ground. Um, yes. The impact on uh, head on ground. So it's in terms of um, ball to head. Um, you know, studies and, and you know, I remember reading articles when I was a teenager about it and talks about how. Um, you know, again, if it's all about, as you say, it's all about technique, you hit the ball right, and same as ankle injuries, you can end up in the wheelchair at 40 if you never kick the ball right um, and we've for got, decades. We've got young Miranda in the studio, and of course Miranda has already suffered concussion, and you're only a teenager. How do you <laughs> feel about things with the head, Miranda? Yeah, um, I feel like awareness about it has gotten, um, it's a lot more prominent at the moment. Um, I have had, I think, four um, major concussions, one of them on my international debut against has, Tonga. Has that been your head hitting <laughs> the ground? Um, the funny thing about it is they've all been quite different. I've had, you know, one from diving into the post. I've had one from a ball to the face, one from a knee to the face, and then I think the other one was elbow. And they the all resulted in you leaving the ground straight away, not continuing in the game? Yeah. I think, um, yeah. Our, yeah, our doctors are pretty prominent and... Um, careful about it because they know you know long-term damage that it can cause especially at a young age yes and that and that is the issue that as you say it's in awareness and everyone being on top of it i i did the same thing miranda I, I had a beautiful cross coming in from the corner and and uh had a beautiful header at goal but it, it wasn't what was the post and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually broke my nose and oh. i don't even remember hitting the ground and, uh, um and that i was concussed but again that was you know, seven minutes before half time, you can mm. stop laughing now, Penny. But I can, um, yeah, it was seven minutes before half time, and so I went in and I came back back out and played the second half. No, so that's you know, that's something you really got to stop. Yeah, yeah. hitting the yeah. those damn posts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's um, move into rule changes this year. Um, there's some different rule changes mm. coming in. Um, one of which is that the goalkeeper can pass to their defenders within the 18-yard box and we've had all the night series implementing those rules mm-hmm. already and there's some um, other ones which I don't think is in senior football like you and I discussed and it's in the junior football about the um, sin yep. bin, uh, the temporary dismissal, yep. Yep, which yeah. uh, you know do a bit... Do, bad language or offensive language or bad tackles, whatever, and off you go for a few minutes. Oh, I really like that idea. I think it's great. I wish it was in senior football, though. Yeah, I don't. I heard a rumour about it last week, but I wasn't sure because I'd never seen it implemented. But, yeah. Yes, well, yeah, if I you're just watching senior the, football, the plan, the plan is The plan is this year that I think they're targeting the 13 to 18-year-olds specifically, um, but I imagine it is going to... You'll probably see in the Metro League next year. I, I'm confident with that. But, um, but again, it's... It's also it's like almost the old warnings or the old green card sure as of me, but um, it's basically you can be simbin, but if you get simbin twice, then it almost acts as a red. So um, this also while, protects the referee too. So it's not just about yeah. your actions and uh, verbalizations to other players; it's to the referee. And mm. I think that's really good because in junior football you have a lot of junior referees, and they need to be encouraged to become adult referees and stay in the game. Yeah. So we want mm. to protect them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We had a yeah. Well, we we do um, train referees in that the mini rules level and uh, the team leaders out there. And yeah, we had one. We had one coach where uh, of the other team that you know, um, even having to go at our little um, 
12 year old ref so you know it, it's it's certainly still part of the game but it shouldn't be um, yep. but but some of the rule changes I mean the, um, the worst one for me is the handball I don't know if you've seen that one go where, and put, it, put us across that oh <laughs> I don't know if I can without crying <laughs> um, it's um, basically they're trying to make it that it's it's actually a different rule for a defender and an attacker. So if you jump up for a ball um, and, and you head that ball away and um, but your arms are flaying in the air as you do it and it ends up making contact with your arm, if you're a defender that's deemed to be just part of defending the ball as opposed to an attacker is deemed to be trying to take an advantage and, yes. and score a goal. Um, you know, yeah, why make it different for one team and another is interesting and it's going to be interesting how the police it. So. Yeah, good luck with I, the referees mm, for that one. Yeah. I don't understand that one, yeah. yeah okay, I guess we might find out the hard way as coaches and players with that one, Andy. Yep. Mm. <laughs> um, what's some of the other ones? Um the are pretty much already been in play um, at, at uh, anyone that follows some of the bigger leagues. Uh, certainly, have seen most of the other rules already right. yep. um, in play. So, and they're and they're pretty effective. Um, again, it's just the irony of it all. Like they bring in all these rules to say they're providing more goals and more attacking play, and then they bring in this handball rule, which kind of protects defenders. And it's like, well. Mm. You're either going to change the sport to be more attacking or you're not. So, yeah, but I have a question mark over that one. But, but again, this is not Football West. This is um, IFAB. This is FIFA. International rules. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. We're, so, we're not complaining about Football West or FFA. This is mm, international, n- yeah. That, that's it. And look, just moving through some more news for the week. Um, we know that the coronavirus has affected um, teams travelling here mm. and there and, and everywhere and players are, and fans are getting caught here and there and going into <laughs> quarantine or yeah. all kinds yeah. of that. And it, the pre-season for the clubs, it's affecting shipments of the uniforms and kits getting to clubs and yeah. then having to accommodate in different ways. I know it's affecting Mum FC. Um, I know yeah. with business side of things with me, um, with my gate and fence hardware, uh, we're certainly having different things affected coming into Australia and we're having to find more Australian-made stuff, which I think is fantastic. And mm. I wonder if clubs are out there and are now sourcing different alternatives to get their gear ready for the season or they're just waiting or borrowing or using old kits. What do you reckon, Andy? Yeah, and that, it's, it is, it's funny because, you know, the whole import-export is weird. You know, we produce, we can self be self-sufficient, but we're we're actually exporting a lot of stuff and importing the same stuff. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, if anything, it, it actually might kick businesses up the bum a bit and, and do what you say. That maybe yeah, this time that the Australian ex, um, exporters don't export out and they try and sell to their own local markets and mm-hmm. businesses buy from local markets. So, yep, all fine. I mean, the the biggest thing for us with coronavirus is we're changing a bit of our team play so you know, pre-match we even with the kids we go through we shake hands and everything we're trying to do something else there where ah. you know there's, there's less of that contact as well so um that's something that's been raised by a number of concerns mm. on yeah but let, let's let's be pretty clear about this right um there's a couple of things i have to say it 
the, the toilet paper thing, there is Australian made toilet paper, <laughs> right? Everyone just saying out there, okay, don't go and buy 10 blocks, honestly. And a, and a WA factory. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't, don't, don't go. I don't get it. Anyway. Okay, and, no, and kids are pretty um, pretty much immune to the coronavirus because they have the stronger constitution. It's, it's you know, the, the moisture thing yeah. that passes on and the, the people who are in, a, in a target groups might be the elderly who uh, ha, have a sickness or are frail in different ways. Like if you're strong, and uh, Andy, I'm not sure I agree with you about the high five and the handshake thing on, on match days. I think... Yeah, oh. it, it's more, again, you know, we're not doing it to curtail the virus. We're doing it to curtail mental attitudes. You know, people are comfortable um, doing one thing or another. For us as a club, we don't mind where we've got a lot of, um, you know, even we've got a lot of Muslims as well. We've got a lot of people that um, have issues with, um, you know, uh, touching a referee if they're of a different gender or, um, you know, so there's a whole bunch of issues involved. Actually, in that, that's a really good point. That. Less people will so, go up to yeah. the referee and hassle them because they don't want to touch them. That's good <laughs> for <Yeah>. the referees. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but it's concerning for a lot of the the, um, the events that are going around too. So how do we? I guess now we'll have to get Matilda to play um, Victoria Park Soccer Club to get their um, games up. If they can't play internationally, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a there was a lot of thought about things, isn't it? We're we're all concerned about it, and we're maybe thinking of ways to accommodate it. But um, hopefully, we don't need to actually move into a mode where we're shutting down and stopping doing the things that we love and that just make us operate normally. Now, let's move on to more things. Um, the FFA Cup Round Two is coming up, and I did notice in uh, England the FA Cup there in proposed changes to the gambling laws in the UK has meant that mm. a lot of the, spon- the sponsors of competitions and clubs and whatever that are gambling organisations, that's changing. And I think that's great because gambling and sport, like alcohol and sport or smoking and sport, is not really the kind of messages that we want to be promoting to kids. Mm. So yeah. th- that's that's a good yeah. move. And, and How is it changing? I mean, if, I'm not, you look at I'm our, not sure how look, it's changing. Look at our rules. Look at our... Um, even our player rules, like even if I play a, a Metro League, technically I'm part of um, FFA, I'm part of the West, and in their constitution I can't put a bet on yeah. um, an EPL game or um, so. But you, know, you can but have yeah. Bet365 as a sponsor. Now, oh, now I don't get yeah. that because in <laughs> FIFA law it says you can't. Uh, be like associated that I forget how it says exactly, but you can actually have a sponsor that will like you can have uh, I think Tab does sponsor the FFA in some way, and in the UK there's major organisation that sponsor clubs. So I'm not sure exactly what those gambling laws are changing to, but in um, in anticipation of those laws coming in, the um, some of the clubs and organisations in the UK football-related, are starting to move away from gambling sponsorships, and, and mm. I like that. Mm. that I think that's yeah, a good message to be giving to the kids, not to associate the two together. Mm. Why are you looking like that? The, the, I'm yeah, sure someone I, I th- something even worse will take its place. It'll be like a social media company, and, you know, 10 years yeah. from now we'll be like, well, you know, why are we associating all these new social media companies, you know, yep. with, with sports and... You know, we, I mean, we ha- we've had the fast food sponsors, and luckily that yeah. seems to have gone away with, um, you know, certainly with the Glory and the Live Lighter campaign. Yes. Mm. Um, but I think I still think Hungry Jacks are a pretty major sports sponsor. Not not necessarily for football, but I'm pretty sure they still sponsor the Eagles, which is about as big as you can get in WA for, as sponsorships go. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, I, I can just that, see it being replaced by something even worse down the track. Anyway, mm-hmm. sorry. And, and again, and well, uh, you're right. You're right about that. And, you know, again, it, you know, we've got to be clear on what, what do we want? What do we, you know, a lot of clubs will sell their soul for some sponsorship yeah. money, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you've got to watch what's good for the sport. It, it's easy uh, to what, take the uh, high moral ground when, but, you know, yeah. when someone offers you a big bucket of money. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. I agree. hard to say yeah. no. And Football West took the high ground a couple of years back. There was, um, in, a ch- in the changeover of CEOs, I think, there was uh, the Healthway sponsorship came into play somewhere and there was sponsors like um, S- uh, Sweps or some of the um, fa- fast food or, or drink companies were hmm. not considered to be uh, advancing the health food message that Healthway wanted to promote and they were a major sponsor of Football West. I think I'm getting this right. And so they said, if you want more money from us as Healthway to Football West, then the other things have to be dropped off. Mm. And that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, it it balanced out because the messages were good and the the money was retained, but those other sponsors dropped off. Yep. Mm. My my concern that is causing me um, heart issues is watching the A-League defence, like, um, all the defensive coaches going around like <laughs> no one, no one knows how to defend anymore. Oh. It's absolutely shocking. Players are just watching players past them, and you know we're now we seem to be focused on scoring goals and attacking play. Yeah, you know, I think uh, last weekend was, or this, even this weekend, but it's a shocker. Like, I've seen so many deep defensive. Like, I can't show. And the only thing I can show to my players in the A-League is attacking play. Like, I cannot show decent um, defence, like, even just... Well, don't look at the Matilda's Vietnam game last night, then. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) For what it's worth, the average number of goals per game is down this season compared to the last two in the A-League. The average number? Yeah. Very slightly, so just under three this season. The last two seasons have been over three. Yeah. Who was at Brisbane that scored six or something? Yeah, yeah. well, you're always going to get the the one big game like that. Yeah, yeah. But no, defensively, oh, gee, I, mm. I, I'm a big concern over um, what's happening there because, um, yeah, I thought we, we had it right, you know, a handful of years ago and we just couldn't score and <laughs> maybe that's just ways and, you know, ups and downs. Now everyone's focused on scoring, but we've, we've sort of forgotten about actually protecting our keeper or trying to win the ball back. But, yeah, I, I don't know, I struggle with that. From, from an entertainment perspective, but surely... You know, a high-scoring yeah. game. You know, we, we'd rather see a three-all draw than a nil-all draw. You know, in general, I'm sure there may be specific examples where you could point to a nil-all yeah. draw and go, "That was exciting." I'm not denying that at all. But you know, as a general rule, you'd rather see a, a high-scoring game than, yeah. a, than a low-scoring one. Oh, absolutely. I guess I'm coming from a coach point of view, yeah. where yeah. you know, I see I see players that you know will actually look lazy because they they can't defend properly or they're not wanting to get the ball, and you know you. If you saw that, you'd, you'd drag, drag your player off. But when you've only got a, a few subs, you can't drag <laughs> off nine players. But uh, yeah, it's a concern. And uh, just for our listeners out there, we've got two pairs of glory tickets to give away. If you can name two people, and one's from Glory, that'll be a tip, okay? Two people, uh, players from the A League that are in the top four of the top goal scoring list for the A League. So if you oh, want to win a pair of tickets to the game at HBF Park is it, tomorrow... Is that the current top scorers or the all-time top scorers? Like this season's no, top scorers? Th- this season's A-League okay. list of top goal scorers. If you can name two players in that 
um, top goal scoring list, yeah. one of which is a glory player. Yeah. Okay, and um, lob it onto the media wrap in the comments on the World Football Facebook page. So it's it's it within the top four. Yes. Okay, good. There's yep. actually six Ooh. players in the top four, so okay, mm. that'll make it in. That's make it even that's slightly enough, easier. That's enough information, <laughs> all right? Okay, so the game the game um, is tomorrow at HBF Park, three o'clock kickoff. Yeah, yeah. you might yeah. be able to find and out. We've got, Sorry, go on. And we've got Sean here. Sean, who um, hi, hi, Sean. Who will win? Who will be the uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sean, is your dad coaching you this year? Are you are you playing at Vic Park, Sean? Um, yeah. Like, is your dad coaching you? Is your is your dad coaching you this year? Um, yeah, and my mum. And your mum as well. Wow. Yeah. And what are you holding in your hand? Um, nothing. Oh, come on. Okay, I was holding on a Liverpool T-shirt. Liverpool T-shirt. Yeah, he's got his little shirt on. He um he wants to change his name to Mo Salah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know they're going to run away with it. I know there's always these um you know, once they lose one game, everyone thinks they're going to throw it away. They'll still grab a couple of records. I think it's, uh, <laughs> most points or pretty most margin away from second, but yeah. Oh, and, well, Andy, before before we let you go today, um, just the programs that are happening at Vic Park. Tell us about the um, Manchester United link and the inclusive programs that are happening at your club. Yeah, so again, the usual um, men, women um, scenarios and the juniors. Um, we've had this strange thing happen this year where we've um, doubled our intake of women this year. So I think women's football is coming back on the radar. We've actually added. Um, as many players as we had last, um, as new players to the club, um, and they're new to soccer or new to um, the country or from other clubs. So um, that's been an amazing um, situation. So we've got a real big vibe, great vibe happening at the club. Um, the other big vibe is with Manchester United and Telephone and Cohesion Solutions. They're um, putting together, a, or have put together, an inclusions league. So it's only um, eight clubs around WA and this is the first location around the world to, to do this um, type of league. It, it's not a disabilities league. It's, it is inclusive, um, can be able or not, um, and it's a um, Manchester United-driven um, and Telethon, um, oh, the guys at Telethon really made it happen this year um, to, to try it for the next three years, it's a bit of a trial, and then from there it will um, be disseminated out to the rest of the world. So we've got a whole bunch of um, Manchester United merchandise. If anyone wants to come out and join the club, but I don't, I don't certainly want it. But uh, <laughs> 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 so yeah, so it's really good. But there's tons of around the place. Um, oh, I kind of rattled them off, but um, you know we've got um, Maccabee and. Bell divers and so a few clubs all about the place are, are involved um, in it and it just changes our marketing drive it certainly helps us to get a better relationship with our council to improve our club rooms and accessibility and, um, uh, as well so uh, a lot of a lot of work for the club
club. It, it's something we've always believed in. We've never turned away players, so um, it was an easy transition for us, but still a lot of work to get the league up and going, and we'll certainly be heavily promoting it over the coming weeks and looking for a start in April, May. It's a bit later than the normal league. Good one. Keep doing the heavy lifting, Andy. We need passionate people to do that, as always. Everybody relies on those kind of people. Mm. Yep, yep, it's all happening. Yes, it is. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate that. And um, say hi to everybody at the club. And we must get um, your lady coach on to have Becky, a chat. Yeah, yes. we must get yeah. her on to have a chat at some point, yeah. I think. It's yeah, a and Miranda, stop, stop getting concussed. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Andy, thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us. And thanks, Sean. And have a good weekend. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank Bye. You. Bye. That was Andy Arena, who is a club coach at Vic Park Victory and membership recruitment man and uh, inclusive officer there. And if you want Manchester United um, merchandising, but apparently that's the place to go. Yeah, sounds like it. Where? Where to go? I wonder if they've teamed up with the Manchester United fan club of Western Australia in some way. Hmm. Let's find out about that. See if there's a link. We're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football. Um, just reminding everyone that there's a whole stack of finals and night series games through the weekend and you can log on to footballwest.com.au to find out where they are or the World Football Facebook page. Um, the main one, I'm going to say the main one, is yep. the NPL night series grand final tonight. Double header. Yep. Women's 5 o'clock, men's 7 o'clock. Uh, that is NTC Fremantle for the women and Floriot Perth Soccer Club. It's going to be a very interesting game, 7.15 kickoff at Inglewood Oval because uh, Floriot have got a... No, is it, if Floriot have got a sack of players missing because uh, Dean Evans is getting married out of West Australia and there's a couple of players going there. So okay. that is going to be an interesting game. <laughs> mm. I bet there's a few people not happy about that and there's yeah. a few people that are happy about that. <laughs> We're going to go to a break and we'll be back very shortly talking more football. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. West Coast Futsal Association has social competitions at Hollywood Futsal Club in West Perth and the Mount Lawley Futsal Club. Competitions are open for new players looking for a kick around with mates from Monday to Friday. For those looking at high level futsal, there is the Junior Leagues in Karanyup on weekends and the Male and Female Super League competitions based in Subiaco. For more information, contact Brittany on 0481 881343. a junior trainee at Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. I am the fourth generation of our family business. Oswest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience, creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customised materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas or visit our online galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Station Sponsor
Melville City Football Club celebrates 50 years in 2019. After partnering up with Murdoch University in 2018 to become Murdoch University Melville Football Club, the club is embarking on a quest to collect as much memorabilia about the history of Melville as it can find. Share your records on the club's historical video project Facebook page or contact the coordinator Penny at mumfc.com.au Penny at mumfc.com.au Station Sponsor Welcome back to the World Football Programme. We've all got new headsets in the studio. <laughs> Thanks very much to the Templeman family. <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone. So things are sounding a little bit different. Good morning, Mike. How are you? G'day, Penny. Good. Yourself? Oh, I'm excellent. We've got Michael Ianello, who is the new president of um, Murdoch University Melville Football Club, Mum FC. My God, it's such a long mouthful to say. And I'm sorry, Pete, but there I've said Mum FC lots of times <laughs> in the space of five minutes. He's, he's trying to stop me from saying Mum FC I, in I'm the two hours I'm on air. <laughs> not in any way trying to stop Penny saying it. I just suggested maybe we could have a little radio uh, a game a on the uh, on the um, Facebook page where people predict beforehand how many times she's going to mention it. Well, everyone's going to be good to their mothers. I love the uh, acronym Mum FC, so yep. Penny can say it as much as she likes. Thank you very yep. much. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's been a pretty good start for Mum FC. In fact, it's been a pretty good start for your tenure as president of the club, Mike. Um, give us a little bit of a, a wrap, give our listeners a bit of a wrap of where you've come from prior to being president and some of the things that you can maybe foresee happening at the club in this season. Well, I've, uh, I've been at the club for oh, a number of years now. I was, I was playing there as a six-year-old um, and um, pretty much spent my whole sort of junior uh, career, if you want to call it that, um, playing at, at, at Melbourne City at the time um, and then basically just rose up and sort of took control of the amateur and social section of the club for about 10 years um, and then was elected as president in October last year. Um, and so that, you know, straight away, we'll right into action with a um, with a WMPL application. Um, so that was a that was a nice little initiation, and um, so we got that got that across the line. Um, so that was uh, obviously a great little milestone to get straight away, um, and hopefully onwards and upwards from here. Yes, you're, you're very humble. You always have been. There's a, a lot more in that very short. Uh, portfolio than um, you actually said. <laughs> I mean, playing since you were six and as an adult, you know, that's uh, quite a few decades at the club. Um, so you could kind of say that uh, you were maybe born to be president of the club after spending so many decades. Your lifeblood is now that you can never leave Mum FC. That's just <laughs> it once you're in yeah, as president. Yeah, I've got the golden handcuffs now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm locked in. Yep, that, that's, that's good. You, you have had a lot of years of initiating through um, different parts of the club to know it pretty much back to front, I, I think we could all say. And you're right, women's NPL, um, we've got through to the um, semi-finals last week mm -hmm. um, and the men got through to the quarterfinals, I think. Is that right, Mike? They did, yeah. Yep. Okay, so that's a pretty good start to the season, 2020. Yeah, yeah not, not bad. Um, penalties aren't our friend at the moment, but that's okay. That'll hopefully, uh, you know, luck of the penalties will uh, will change eventually. So um, it's a good, you know, good obviously result in the night series um, as, as you know, still considered, I guess, a warm-up to the um, to the season proper, but it's, you know, a bit of confidence and a bit of match fitness for the players, I guess. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tell us about some of the things that are, are on the table for Mum FC for the season. Obviously, once the night season starts, pretty much the season is underway. Of course, it's preceded by training, so pretty much from January, the season is on, um, and it's like yep. 24-7. Mm-hmm. That's right, yep. yep. Our busiest time of the year is probably from you know November through till March, actually, to be honest, before the start of the season. So, um, and, and look, I mean, as far as this season goes, no, nothing too much is going to change from... Um, from 2019, um, we'll just you know progress our um, our senior teams. Um, still have a good competition within the juniors, and obviously our junior MPL competition as well. Um, and hopefully grow our girls division a little bit more uh, this year as well. But it, it's all about really steady growth and just maintaining consistency. How do you think um, being a part of the WNPL changes the landscape of the club? Um. Look, it's 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 obviously great to have um, to have that recognition in women's football. Um, I, I do hope that it, it attracts um, more female players to the club, and also just show everyone as well that we're um, that we're trying to be a diverse club. Um, so you know, it's not just all about um, the boys; it's about everyone that wants to play. Um, and and by extension of that as well, I guess um, it's it's not um, just based you know men and women, but it's also based on all skill levels. So. You've got, you know, your good elite sections of the club, if you like, your, your NPLs, but we've also got a good community base that we want to try and be able to provide everyone a home to play football. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's important, isn't it? I mean, the club is pretty massive. It'd be one of the top five uh, clubs in WA, I'd say, by numbers. Um, and there's some other clubs yep. south of the river that uh, would probably be in that same, like uh, Fremantle would be pretty huge. Um, yep. And there's other growing areas too that are... Uh, competing for the same base of players. How do you yep. see that yep. panning out for the future of Mum FC? Oh, look, it's always it's always strong competition. Um, and, and to be honest, it's good to have players playing in the sport. And, and yep. regardless of what club they're at at the end of the day, as long as they're playing the sport and enjoying their sport, that's probably the main driver at sort of a, at a bigger picture level. Um, as a club, I, what we want to try and do is make sure that everyone that plays the club feel like they belong. Um, and regardless of what team they're in, um, if they feel like they belong at the club, that helps the club culture, um, possibly helps them with you know future growth, um, obviously retaining players, um, and just create a, a good environment to actually play your football in. Um, and and I, I see that's probably, you know, that needs to be the foundation, I think, of a, um, of a successful club going forward. Healthy. Mm. I like it. Mm. It is about playing sport, mateship and all those things that, you know, as a child, we like to foster and encourage. It becomes a little bit different, one supposes, as you're an adult, the reasons for which you play sport change, you know, yep. time and That's financial right. yep. reasons and all that kind of thing. But, you know, yep. at, at the basis, when you're a kid, that's what we as adults can affect. We want to foster all those great things where kids become adults and then have that basis of knowing why they play sport. and. Yep. Now, that diversity and culture and retention that you're talking about, hopefully that's what all clubs are fostering so that, you know, that they bec- they have good culture and retention, one hopes. That's right. And it's, mm. and it's hard at, at, at our club. I mean, when I say hard, it's always an ongoing challenge to um, just because of the sort of natural size of the club to make sure that, that we still can foster that belonging. Um, obviously, it's, it's sort of... I guess easier to get lost in a in a big club and sort of not know um, where you can draw on support and resources. 
Um, so as a club, we're just trying to do a little bit better in um, communicating to everyone and letting everyone know that, you know, who is where and who can help you um, and, and ultimately make everyone available to help if they can. Um, so that way everyone feels like they've got, you know, someone they know at the club and, and, it, and it helps their time there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I like your approach. It's a, it's a different one, um, you know, fostering a good culture which fosters retention and loyalty to the club uh, or to the sport, like you said earlier. It doesn't matter if they want to be a part of Mum FC Correct. for the next 15 years. If they're involved in the sport, they'll be involved with one club or another. Mm. And, and ultimately, more players in the sport... Um, is obviously better for the game, um, and then um, that then might attract, you know, things like more funding from the government, just things like that to actually help grow football um, rather than losing um, players, not to other clubs, but to other codes of football or other sports in general. Um, it's, it's obviously better to keep them there. So, you know, our whole nation basically grows at the sport and, um, and develops. What do you see as some of the unique things about Mum FC that might attract players to the club? Um, I think we we try to have a, a good balance of um, of levels across um, across the club. So um, we're basically going to accommodate everyone. Um, if someone wants to play and focus on development and and sort of try and become the best they can be, we can offer them um, you know a pathway to that. Um, but if they just want to come down and have a kick with their friends. Um, we can also offer that as well, and we've got plenty of teams to cater for them all, um, and and that's sort of the the offering that we that we have, and a bit of flexibility there that um, that people can sort of choose their own pathway, um, and we'll attempt to I guess add value where we can for anyone that plays at any of those pathways. Are there some things that you want to promote about um, Mum FC that are, are unique to the club, like um, some events or programs or sets of? playing groups that we might want to promote? Um, in terms of playing groups, we want to, we want to promote everyone, though, Penny. Um, I mean, there's... Um, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to focus on... I mean, obviously, we've got... You know, we've got our men's state league and women's NPL and junior NPL and sort of they get the promotion just by sort of recognition in the sport. Um, and obviously, that you know, good to promote them as, as sort of being um, um, figureheads, I guess, but for those that are, you know, aspiring to become the best they can be. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've got massive junior division we're, we're trying to grow our girls division um we've got our you know, amateurs and socials and masters that, that you know have to go around on a sunday and just play for a beer we can offer um you know we, we can promote any of those teams to anyone and say that it's actually a good atmosphere to play in yeah yeah that's good uh, I, I hear strongly what's coming across in your conversation is um diversity inclusion uh sense of community and i like that that's that that's good because yeah, if we're all um, wanting our kids to play sport, if we're all wanting to be a part of that, then it brings a lot of other people into it too. People will come down and watch. People want to spend their money at the club. Um, they'll be healthy. Um, they'll be less burden on the medical right. system. Yep. And there's a lot of benefits of all of that. A bit of a snowball effect, yep. really. It, it is. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, what do you think the club needs to pay attention to to maybe grow in some of those areas? Um, oh, I mean, it's always, it's always an ongoing battle to make sure that we've got... Um, resources allocated to sort of all areas um and and you know one of the main i guess one of the main challenges ends up being uh sort of the volunteer base and and people around the club willing to help out um we've got a we've got a committee of uh, it's about 15 or 16 people at the moment that um 
do a phenomenal amount of work in actually trying to get everything up and running for the season. And we've got sort of um, team managers, coaches across across the entire club as well, and they all do a great job um, to help grow as well. You, you know, any resource, any parents or anything like that, spectators, um, it's, it's good if they can get involved um, and, and sort of say, you know, how can I help? And we can always find... Um, something for people to do, and 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 what that ends up doing, then it, it it creates um, more uh, more efficient tasks can can get done, um, and we can focus on other ways to grow. There's some clubs out there that have some pretty unique ways of attracting volunteers and retaining uh, players. Uh, Balga is one that springs to mind with their fee free. Um, yep. yep. Uh, program football, yeah. Yeah. Is there any unique things about um, Mum FC that you wanted to speak about? Oh, we don't. Uh, obviously, we don't do anything um, in terms of fee-free football as yet, um, and that's you know what Balga are doing is um, is obviously great, and that's something that we'll definitely look into. Um, I mean, we do offer a small levy for volunteers to help out, but at the same time, um, you know, it's, it's sort of the um, the desire for people to actually want to help out the club um, and, and, and sort of you know, be, I guess, um, rewarded that, that, you're doing, um, that you're doing something to help a, a good cause, a non-for-profit club, um, and, and you know, using your time to uh, help a lot of you know, youngsters or, or senior players at the club. I think um, the, the mini, fo- of- mini football, Mike, might be a good one, the in-house program. There are a few clubs around Perth doing that now, and, and I think that as football grows is probably something that more clubs would do because it's a convenience factor for parents, brings income into yep. the club, um, and gets a whole heap of, like, a part of the community together at one space. Yeah, well, we've got, um, I mean, it's a good point, Kenny. We've got about 400 uh, kids on uh, Lenshear on a Saturday morning from um, from May through till mid mid August, I think the uh, the mini roos season ends. Um, so it's um, well, it's absolute mayhem down there if you're actually trying to find a parking spot. <laughs> but um, apart from that, the competition is um, extremely well run, um, and we've developed that across a number of years. And um, yeah, a lot of other clubs are actually trying to start their own um, mini roos in house program as well, which is great. Um, and I'd like to think that we're probably sort of one of the um, one of the leaders in actually getting something like that set up. Um, and obviously, you need to have a weight of numbers to be able to, you know, run that and run that efficiently. Yep, Eastern Man will do a very similar program, and mm-hmm. I know that at times yep. there's a, cr- a cross. Uh, we have, the, I think, there's a mini ruse day at, at Eastern Mantle. so that the, all the mini ruse games from Lenchira uh, go to Eastern Mantle. I think it might be Walker right. Park. Yeah. Yep, they do. Yeah, I think two a year they do two carnivals: one one at us and um, one at one at Warhop. Yep. Yeah, I love the way that the clubs work together with that. That's good, good sense of community. Uh, Mike, right. if there's anything else you want to throw into the conversation, you go for it right now. Otherwise, we'll let you loose on the weekend. Uh, not, not, not too much. And I mean, I'll, I'll just um, just quickly, I guess, announce the um, um, NP, uh, sorry, the MSL and WMPL coaching teams just to um, yes. just to confirm those. So we sort of. We've had a, a bit of a, um, a jiggle around, and that's um, that's been happening ongoing since December. But um, so for our MSL, we've got um, uh, Matty Wardle as our first team coach, and he's come across from Ashfield and doing a um, doing a good job so far. Um, Miguel De La Fuente, who's our reserves coach, um, and we appointed him uh, just a couple of weeks ago now. And Young Valen Boulevant, who's our under 18s 
MSL coach. Um, and then for our women's NPL, we have Peter Rakic as our first team coach and Kurt Harrison as our under-23s coach we appointed recently as well. So um, that's a really good mix of, of coaches. We've also got Marcus Edwards as uh, an assistant sort of across the across the men's. And Marcus has been at the club for, I don't know how many years now. Um, so he's, he's basically uh, Melville City born and bred. Um, so it's good to have that sort of diverse mix of, of coaches. Um, and obviously with Mark Jones as our technical director, um, that is a, a pretty good foundation, I think, for a um, strong hopefully strong, season 2020. Yep, mm. and uh, Valen uh, Boulevant is also the Women's Technical Director. Correct, yes, that's right. Yep, so, uh, yeah, good setup, good diversity, and, uh, yeah, good good leadership. So it's a uh, good, good start to the season in every way, really. So, yeah, well done, and uh, congratulations on your appointment as President. <laughs> Thanks. I'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit that. Congratulations in about six months' time. <laughs> show how I've got. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. <laughs> Good work. Thanks for your time today, Mike. Do appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good on yeah. you. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Catch Bye. you later. That was Michael Ianello. Sounds very young, doesn't he? Oh, my he God. Does. Mm. He does. Yeah, he's not The older I get, the younger everyone else sounds. Yeah, so. that, that's true. Yeah, I think he'd probably be in his early 30s, okay. I reckon. Yeah. So he's a few decades at the club. Yeah. It's uh, transitioned very nicely. A quiet, kind of unassuming guy, but it's uh, a lot on his plate, as you do as a president of a club that's got about, I don't know, 1,300 to 1,500 members. It's pretty massive, growing. A lot of transition between clubs that are growing in the areas, and I yeah. suspect that that's the same in any growing area of Perth that um, I'd say with East Mantle, there's the new estates going down south like the Beerlia Jandicott areas which are growing in their uh, numbers to their clubs as their estates infill they open up they infill and then clubs start and they grow and it competes for numbers but then with the infill there's just more numbers out there mm. yep. Yep. and, and new, new clubs popping up then as well so absolutely yes which is good yeah which is fantastic yeah it is so, is it, what are you doing then, Pete, this year? Are you on a Sunday going to be, or even on a Saturday, is that mean you're going to be out there watching games now you're not coaching? I will be sleeping in on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Very enticing, isn't and it? And enjoying it. I know, right? Oof. Turning my phone alarm off and not getting up at ridiculous, ridiculous o'clock? o'clock in the morning I know. for a junior match. Yeah, yeah, that was that was me last year. That's not me this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, you know what I love the most about coaching and being involved with football and junior football space is smiles and energy. I love that. Yes. <laughs> I will be attending a couple of junior matches for what it's worth. So I'm sure you get I've the invites from yes. the parents and the kids and they'll yeah. see you about, they go, come on, coach. They still call you, coach. you get coach or do you get Pete? Um, both, actually. Yep. Depending who I was. Well, that's what I got to my face. I don't know what the heard. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Do we need to mention anything about any of the... Anything's happening through the weekend? Uh, yeah, well, sure. We've got the night series coming to a head in all aspects. So in the NPL uh, will be, as, as you've mentioned, Perth Soccer Club against Florida Athena. Perth Soccer Club beat Perth Glory in a penalty shootout. And Florida Athena beat Gwellup 4-2. So Gwellup sort of making waves. Uh, in the Men's State League, uh, quite interesting. The semi-finals last week for that one finished 6-2 in Olympics' favour and 7-1 in Western Knights' favour. So some kind of big results there for 
you know, semi-finals. And so what's the games on Sunday night for the State League for the men's? And so for the men's, so that was last week's semi-finals. Um, so the third place match will be Fremantle City against Forestfield United. Yep. That's at five o'clock at Kingsway Reserve. And then at seven o'clock, it's Olympic Kingsway against Western uh, Knights. There is a lot of games happening. Yep. And then, as you've said, in the women... Um, the NTC women defeated Murdoch University, oh, sorry, Mum FC mm. uh, on penalties, 9-8. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it was a decent penalty shootout oh, yeah. as well. It was long. Yeah. 12 rounds of pens. So <laughs> went through the entire team. Keeper's taken one. The first player's taken yeah. one again. And then it's... Good. I don't think I've ever been to a match when so many penalties have been taken mm. or ever seen one. I do remember something about a world record where a penalty shootout went, I'm going to say 24 to 23 oh, was wow. the result. I could probably look it up. But so, yeah. so how does that work? Do you just keep going through the... the you keep going on until park, one team scores going. and one misses, yeah. Yep. Just, Same order. Yeah. Okay. Just wow. keep going. I think by you get by the time you get to that point, someone's just going to deliberately miss so that they can go home. <laughs> also, yeah. the next game can happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, so we should mention too that uh, D'Agostino yes. okay, was uh, nominated Daggers. for Young Footballer of the Year. So he's... He's my new man crush at the glory. I knew that <laughs> right? you livened up there. Yep. Yeah. Economides, sorry, but you're injured, so Ooh. you're out the way, and Daggers is taking his place. He's doing okay for us. Yeah. He's doing okay. I noticed in the top goal scoring list... Yep. That, um, Which I, I don't think anyone's posted about yet on the Facebook group. Okay, so I was just going to mention something. I think I'll mention it anyway, okay? So yeah. Fornaroli's in that top four. I was going to okay. say, if you went to aleaguestats.com, it's actually <laughs> on the front page there if you scroll right down, just, okay. just saying. There you go. So Fornaroli's doing very good. It, it's interesting. There's oh, – I can't yeah. say it because that'll give the answers away, right? But um, – uh, Castro is not up there. Usually, he's up there in the like the top half of the table, scoring he goals. Is. But he, uh, he's had a few games out. But Fornaroli, man, he's just a gun, mm. gathering momentum in uh, scoring. I mean, to be fair, Castro's not an out-and-out striker, so no. you know he does pop up for a few goals. But I think if it's your attacking midfielder who's scoring most of the goals for your team, that might be a problem there. So I'm happy, so to speak, that. Castro is not our number one goal scorer this season. I think that's, yeah, I've worded that correctly. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a problem with the way the table looks. Okay. Uh, Sydney FC is sitting 10 points clear of uh, Melbourne City. Yeah. Very few. How many games left in the uh, I think it's a 26-game season, so it's it's a weird one. It's almost AFL style where you play every team twice and some teams three times. I'm not happy about this, this fixturing they've got here. Um, but to be honest, give Sydney the league title. They're... They're 10 points clear with two games in hand over second place. So. What do you think about the second tier of uh, football and possibly the FA Cup becoming some kind of national competition that becomes that second tier? And I'll say it again, that apparently we, for our, us to be a part of the Asian Football Confederation, we have to have a second tier of football. We haven't got it. Yeah, we've okay. sort of branded the NPL final series as a second tier, which yeah. is always a bit of a bodge. I, I um, know, right? But what about the FA Cup? If we were somehow to tier that in some way, because mm. everybody competes in that. I I like the idea of a national second division. Uh, it's one of these things that I mean, we were talking with uh, Rabbi Ravi mm-hmm. like two three years ago, and yep. it was just around the corner then. Um, it's still just around the corner. They've sort of blown the dust off it and said, "Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen." Uh, would love to see it happen. Whether it's viable, whether it's viable without a team from Western Australia, maybe. Mm. Um, 
I don't like they they were talking about fiddling around with the FFA Cup, and I like the way the cup runs now. Uh, there was some talk of having group stages, you know, like sort of instead of a straight knockout like it is, you know, sort of groups of four teams and something like that. And I, I didn't like that. By, what, by region, you mean? I don't know. They, mm. There was just something um, the the new uh, FFA boss was vaunting. Tinkering with, yeah. Yeah, mm. and it's like, no, it's it's a cup. It needs to be a straight knockout. I've noticed yeah. the FA Cup are going to live stream some of yes. the games on Facebook. Good, Ooh. good. That's, I should point out that's sort of when you say the FFA Cup, there's, there's sort of like the... Um, there's the various regional levels, like the West Australian, you know, Cup yep. and the New South Wales Cup. That's being streamed on Facebook. I think by the time they get to the final 32 and you get your proper national bits where, you know, two West Australian teams plus the glory and that that still will be on Fox or Kyo or yep. whatever. So, well, so Kyo the, is Fox. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but some of us have Kyo but not Fox. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fox is pretty crafty. Yeah. Mm. So, um. Yeah, when they're talking about uh, live streaming the FFA Cup, they're talking about the the local level before it gets to the full national competition. Yes. So. We're, yeah, so then it becomes a bit more commercial. We yeah, are, exactly. We're going to go to a break and talk more football after the break with Ben Anderson, who is the head coach of the NTC. This is Penn, Miranda and Pete on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in. We'll be back very shortly. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Everybody has goals. Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge, making new friends, is it finding a career path or reaching your full potential? Chase your goals. See where football can take you. I want to succeed so badly because we have such a great team and the fans, I think that we owe everyone around us something. Everyone is bought in. I think the togetherness within the squad is huge and it just makes you want to put everything on the field when you know someone's put in a big tackle and you're like, I want to put in a, a tackle like that and I want to play for her and I want to win for this club and this, these fans. This team is special. This team is ruthless. This team is family. This team gives everything for one another. And this team, no matter what, will show you heart and passion every day we get on the field. Welcome back to the World Football Program. That last theme song was for Orlando Pride from 2017 from the United States National Women's Soccer League. And I think Tom Samani was the coach back then. And they come up with some pretty awesome songs to promote what they're doing. So, Ben, I'm going to put it on you that you can get your girls in the NTC squad to come up get their musical talents out, come up with some kind of theme for the NTC and we'll put it on the radio and promote what you're doing. <laughs> uh, 
we were this bunch of girls. I'm almost certain that they'd be up for it. They've already heard a lot of singing in the chamber. <laughs> so can't see why they wouldn't be up for it too. That's it. That you might have a drummer in there, or someone who's electric guitarist, and someone's got a great voice. Who knows? Justine you definitely have a few performers this year. Yeah, no, I, I put it to Justine Bonzes. She was, you know, one of the NTC coaches. Well, she was like the NTC coach forever, and she's like, she never went for it. I don't know why, but you, Ben, you seem like you're up for it. Get the girls onto it. Come on. <laughs> All right, we'll sort it out. Good one. So, welcome to the program. It's the first time we've had a chat with you. You're the head coach of the Women's NTC. Congratulations on the appointment. No, thank you for having me on. And, yeah, thank you. It's um, exciting times ahead with this. It's very exciting times. Good start to the year. The Women's NPL Night Series, you're landing in the final. Fantastic start, Mm -hmm. which we'll say again is Five o'clock this evening, a double header with the men's NPL night series. That is some coup, and good job on Football West for teeing that up. That's terrific uh, profile for women's football, and a terrific start for you in your position as NTC head coach. Great job, Ben. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Obviously, um, a lot of the credit does go to the girls. With, with me coming in very fresh with some new ideas for them, they've really taken to it and they've worked extremely hard. Being that it's still pre-season, of course, and we know teams are a lot different come actual season time, it's just still good standing for the way the girls have been training and implementing new tactical principles throughout, and it seems that we're getting better every week. So that's really good. And as you um, alluded to then as well, it's fantastic that Football West have now made the decision to align us with the men's final as a double header. So I think we can win over a few new fans this weekend with the type of performances that both teams can put out. Yes. Uh, Ben, for the listeners that might not know who Ben Anderton is and where he's come from, give us a a wrap of uh, your football portfolio. Um, So just a local player around the um, Premier League scenes before it was called NPL when I was a bit younger, Um, then transitioned into coaching about five years ago. And I was lucky enough to um, get the spot at Queen's Park which was a fantastic opportunity for myself. I got to work with some amazing players there who were already at a very high WE calibre, which made my life so much easier transitioning into that role. And we were lucky enough to have a lot of success with these players. And then just recently, as you said, I was um, approached by Football West to take on their head coach role at NTC. And it was an opportunity I couldn't really pass up to, to work with these young players and also a bit of progression and development for myself. Yes, and just on the coming from the Queen's Park football environment there, your offsider Pete Rakic has uh, landed at Mum FC with a large group of the Queen's Park players. And um, yeah, thank you because uh, Mum FC has grown and we got through to the semi-finals uh, against NTC last week. So um, that was a mega game. Like, all oh, those penalties, oh, my God, I've never seen such mm-hmm. a game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, um, unfortunately for Queen's Park, with what happened in the off-season with the new NPL structure coming in, um, they didn't get access to Premier League, which was a big shame, but of course it benefited a lot of other clubs, and with Pete stepping up to the first-team role, having that opportunity, that's fantastic for his development as well, as he's come a long way in his coaching over the last two, three seasons, with a bit of success in the under-23s, and it was also good, as you said, to get some of the girls to stick together, whether they're from the 23s and from the first team, to go across to Out Mum FC, who seems like a fantastic club and providing them um, good good ways for them to develop as a team still um, and push forward. 
But yeah, last week that was an nail biter towards the end. We were, we were unlucky to concede them late two goals, a bit of inexperience, but I think the penalty shootout was great for all the neutral fans out there. Yes, mm. yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just on the women's NPL, for for everybody from last year was the Women's Premier League, now it's the Women's National Premier League. So there's rules and rosters and all kind of things that have come into play, but um, that, that'll kind of work itself out over the next two seasons because there's a high age, you can't be promoted or relegated. But it means that the glory players, one of the things it means the glory players that go into the local competition can only... Uh, be a maximum, I think, three players. Yep, yep three into players. each of the NWPL teams, which is fantastic because it means there's going to be a great balance. And uh, there's been lots of talk about where the Glory players are, are going. Um, and I think we all pretty much know that there'll be maybe Natasha Rigby and Jamie Gale will go to Fremantle. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we'll get someone like Kat Yukich at um, Mum FC. And will you obviously Ben know of some that will be going to other clubs? And in that, there's two or three going to about four or five of the NWPL clubs, which will help strengthen the competition this year. Yeah, obviously there's going to be a few teething issues um, for all parties concerned with the new introduction to the rules of the NPL. But I can see itself sorting itself out once people get more comfortable with the rules and start understanding them a little bit. And yeah, there was. Again, to the detriment of some clubs, unfortunately, they, they did lose some players that they maybe worked hard to either develop themselves or were already W League standings. Um, but the movement of these players will definitely help raise the profile and the development of other players in other clubs, which you, we should see this year. As far as um, score lines, maybe um, there'll be a lot closer games, tighter games. Um, but then we'll have to start working on the quality of the rest of the players to get them up to that level so we can start pushing more players into the W League and forwards onto that. Yes. How do you see the NTC fitting into the competition? Uh, and so just to explain to our listeners how that works, what age grouping the first team of the NTC is and then the second team and the tiers below that. So with the NTC, we, the, we have the under-19, which fit into that um, NPL level first team. That is mainly consisted of players who are between the age of 16 and 18, really, with majority around that 16, 17-year-old mark. Um, fitting into the under-23s category in the NPL, that'll be the NTC's under-15s, so around 14, 15-year-olds, which is a really good challenge for them young girls to start preparing to come into the under-19s with me the following year and also preparing them against, especially the 19s, preparing them against WE competitors that they're going to try and push for or either, even the young junior Matilda camps that they get selected to from Challenge. Um, I see I see the under-19s. Obviously, I'm across the under-19s a lot more at the moment than the under-15s. I think we, we can settle in quite well. We've got a really good bunch of young players that have come through now for the last three, four years through the program, which have had good coaches putting them on the right direction. And I think we're, we're going to do enough to compete. Of course, we want to perform every single weekend, and results don't always fall away in football, as it seems, with countless top, top teams losing games across the world. But we will perform and we will try to beat all the big teams every week. In regard to... Um, sorry, I've got a lot of questions for you. Miranda's probably going to try and jump in, but I, I can't help myself. <laughs> um, how do you work with the glory? And that's in one thing out there in the community we all like to hear is that all the programs out there in the community are working together to produce players in, in a stream that's going to benefit football and you know there's there'll be a pinnacle which will be Matilda's and their underpinning program so do, do you work across 
the W League or does Bobby and the Glory staff work across the NTC and talking together and, and getting those together? Yeah, so with, so with the NTC, um, out, first outside of Glory, obviously when we go to NTC Challenge, that's where a lot of the W League coaches may be, but also the um, scouts for young and junior Matildas. So we quite we work quite closely with them as well and for them to get identified and give them information. And then, of course, back in WA, um, we've been working with Glory over the past few seasons. Me, in the first year, I've been in contact with Justine and Bobby about potential players that we feel could step up into training sessions and beyond for the W League. Obviously, we've already got a lot of NTC players. We had seven players this season um, with the W League squad either training or playing, which is fantastic. And they come back into the program, help raise our profile of players, and then there's that ongoing discussion between us and Perth Glory about who we think can step up and they can also see who they are performing each week. Mm-hmm. Mm. Come on, Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously you're coming into the NTC program for the first year this year off of the back of a great season with Queen's Park. Just wondering, um, how does coaching you know, a young group of players in the development stage, how does that coaching differ from a team of already made W League players? Yeah, so as you alluded to, obviously Queen's Park, I was lucky enough to work with fantastic players who maybe technically... Ben, sorry, did you notice what Miranda said? Then she said an already made team of W League players. You meant Premier League players in the local competition, didn't you? Yeah, well, (laughs) which which included, um, you know, Tash Rigby. Yeah, I know what you meant. That's interesting. Sorry, go on, Ben. Yeah, you're 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 definitely not wrong there. As I said, I was lucky. I had a lot of... W League, either ex or current players in there who were already maybe tactically or technically very sound in their ability. Coming into the NTC, the methodology of how we like to play doesn't change. My focus is aligned very much with the FFA and the curriculum of their playing principles. It's just more so coming into NTC now, we, we may change our focus slightly. So from the foundation area, we might start working more on the technical aspects to make sure we've got a strong foundation before we start moving into our playing principles of how we want to play and how we want to perform on weekends. So, as I said, the methodology doesn't change, just the focuses at certain areas will change for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, with a young team, made even younger, with your seven glory players missing, so you're bringing you know, your 15s and your associates in to play the night series. With um, the penalties, you obviously have to be happy with that. A young team high-pressure situation and they've come out on top. Yeah, I think I think that's what you love about young players. The, the fear isn't in them yet. They haven't experienced many <laughs> many heartaches at that age already. So most young players, they're very confident. They're very hungry. They, they want to be that name. They want to put their hands up and take them penalties. So I'm a big believer is when it comes to penalty shootouts, the, the confident players who put their hand up, they're the ones that are going to take the penalties for me. And when I ask that question after full-time, I think nearly every single person put their hand up to take a penalty, mm-hmm. which for me, that's what I want to see. I want to see confidence in the players and wanting to take them penalties and, and live in their moment. So for them to all step up and, and perform really well in the penalty shootout, whether they missed or scored, I think that's just fantastic. Mm. Ben, how do you approach a pre-season with a group of players that will potentially go onto W League and then Junior Matildas and Matildas as opposed to being in the club system? <laughs> Women's, are you still there, Ben? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was okay. a strange sound. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, as opposed to being a club coach and having uh, mainly adult, adult players and their pre-season, how, how is it different? 
Um, for me personally, I, I didn't make any changes. When I was when I was in, a, a, say, Clubland with Queen's Park, my still main priority there was can I either make the players that are already identified at W League better or can I get players who I think are really good but not haven't been in the W League system, can I get them there? So we had a lot of success also. It was mentioned Tash Ruby. Tash hadn't been a part of the W League setup before then and then we worked really hard over the first season and a half which with her hard work, Ben got that go-ahead to go on, and she's come on to be captain. Um, likes of Tia Stonehill, um, Jenna Onions, a couple other players who hadn't necessarily been a part of the W League. We worked hard to put them up to that level, and coming into NTC in the pre-season, it's exactly the same. Can we get their foundations right, and then can we start working on them tactically and physically as well to get them ready for the W League as well? How do you feel about uh, injuries and preparation? No, obviously... You're a coach in, or the head coach of the NTC, but there will be a group of coaches and other staff that you um, use to prepare the players. So how do you approach that the physiology is different for the women? There might be more ACL injuries or concussion injuries or whatever it is in women's football at that level you're playing at compared to something else or because they're young and their bodies are a little bit different. Do you have conversations and then prepare the girls differently in that regard? Yeah, 100%. Um, at NTC, I'm very lucky. We've actually, this year, we've got a full-time head of sports science that, that's on board, and with also he's bringing three assistants. So working with him, he designs a program. He's actually doing his PhD through West Coast Eagles as well. Um, he's really knowledgeable on the science behind female body and also the player loads and everything like that to make sure that the players aren't getting injured. Because for us, especially at young age, we want these players on the park as much as possible. We don't want to see them off on the sideline with injuries or little niggles. So our preparation has been very much tailored so that we're peaking at certain times in the season, but the bodies are strong leading up to that and we're not overloading our players. Whether we're under, under, we're more so not quite ready in our pre-season competition at 100% fitness, that's fine because we've got the body in mind to make sure when it comes to the season that we're firing at 100% and we're strong that we can last that whole season. So there's definitely a very big focus on the well-being of the players. So they have to, obviously, they get regular scans on their bodies. Um, we do regular fitness testing, um, screen, weekly screenings for them to make sure there's no muscle imbalances from either side of their body. So then we can start tailoring their individual programs so they don't get injured. Wow. Mm, that's mm. specific. And that's good. Mm. Um, what about school sports? How do you work in with um, the young young ladies if they want to do futsal or they want to do school? Because we're obviously talking about a group of students here. Um, is it within their contract to be crossing over to other things or not? So as far as I'm aware, the, the contract does allow and Football West do have an agreement with school sports to allow players to go and experience them things, which I think it's a fantastic idea. If players can experience as much football as possible, it's very good. But then going back to what we were just talking about with the players' physiology, it's important that we maintain and look after their player loads mm. because if, they are, if, if they're overloaded every week with too many training sessions, that can make fatigue and injury and stuff like that. But mm. we'll be working very closely with school sports in other ways that we can get them players to be experiencing not just the NTC program as a priority, but also on the offside as well, that school sports, futsal, as long as it's all tying into making sure that we've got the players' best interests at heart. Yeah, and mm. the thing um, that I'm really uh, big on is that if uh, a young 
person is enjoying what they're doing, they want to keep doing it. That's how you retain them in the sport. So if they're at school and, you know, their mates are playing in a school sports team and it might overload them, um, they want to do it. So they would have a chat to you and they kind of figure that out. And I'm sure there's other groups like there's the school sports system that are going through their trials for state teams and then their national championships. And they've identified players are in your group. So you have to have a chat about... You know, how do we how do we work that in and to keep the kids happy, pretty much? Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, we all play football because we love the game. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's important yeah. that that's a big focus for us, that the players are enjoying what they're doing. Because as soon as it stops becoming enjoyable, then that's no good and we lose players to the game. So as long as, as we said, we're looking after the players physically, we want them to enjoy their football, whether that's inside the NTC program, school sports, or whatever that is, we just want them to be enjoying their football, having a good time, and keeping them in the game as much as possible. Mm. Absolutely. Miranda, do you have any more questions for Ben? I do. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, you got your night series final tonight, um, the double header. We're versing Fremantle. Uh, we played Fremantle in our group stage, our first group game, and it was a 4 0 loss. Do you think that will affect the girls' mental state going into the final? I don't think at all. I think going back again to the players being so young, that they're very hungry, they're very eager to, to play and perform. And being that 4-0 loss, that was our first game together as a group um, with a lot of these girls who were coming up from under-15s last year. So I still a lot of inexperience in that first game. And we managed to sort a lot of things out, watching the video from that game back and working on things at training. And I think the girls have been stepping up every week and improving, even though sometimes results don't necessarily show a picture I think the performance on the field, we're heading in the right direction. And mm. I think tonight the girls will want to go out and, and prove to everyone, not just to themselves, but to the crowd as well, about how they can actually perform and, and take it to such a strong side like Fremantle. So I think I think we're in for a very good game with both teams tonight. Mm. Yep. Uh, before we let you go, I did want to mention that the season for WNPL is starting very soon, in yep. actual fact. So the same month, March the 20th, is the first game. It's a night game. Actually, mm. and game. Yeah. Friday night against Curtin. Uh, bring <laughs> it on. I reckon night games are an awesome idea uh, because our crazy weather in the last few years brings Sundays with heat. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also, it seems to be a bit of an increasing thing that the senior players are involved with junior football, either as coaches or role models or assistants. And that means very early starts on a Sunday morning sometimes mm. uh, and then games in a Sunday afternoon. So I think looking outside of the usual football landscape um, to other days is a great idea. Ben, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think as long as we're not playing at crazy times, I'm all for the night games and, and other days possibly because, again, not every team is playing on a night time. It just attracts more people to come down and watch, which, is, again, is great for the game to grow and for the players to get more exposure to other people watching them. And I think it just creates a good environment to have, have different games on different nights. Mm. Yeah, and I like the idea of the doubleheader tonight with the men. So if mm. that could happen a bit more during the season, Football West, and yep. maybe they're live streamed, and that gets the profile of all football out there to the community. Mm-hmm. Spreads the word and the love. So <laughs> the first round of the NPLWA's Curtain versus the NTC on the Friday night. That's an is that eight thirty fixture. Eight oh. thirty. Did I read that correct? Eight thirty. <laughs> is that what you'd count as a, a silly time? It's um, oh, it, it's okay. I think yeah. I think it's just pushing the boundary of okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all right. But I mean, I understand the girls all have to come from school and we have to play the 
the 23s will play before the first team. So I think the yeah, 23s are at 6 o'clock and then yeah. we're at 8 o'clock, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it gives the girls a good weekend break off for recovery as well leading into the next week. Yeah. It does. And it is a Friday night. I mean, if it ever finishes 10.30, that's... It's Friday night. It's not, not a school night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah, and Perth Soccer Club are playing Fremantle. Northern are back to playing Subiaco and Mum FC playing Balcata. And they are all Sunday fixtures at 3pm, which is the usual first team mm. fixture on yep. the Sunday. So for anyone who wants to go out and watch women's football in the WNPL, three o'clock fixtures on a Sunday are the usual. But I'm kind of hoping there'll be some outside of that, which kind of might fit in amongst some... Um, Hot weather, getting less of that now, of course, but maybe in amongst your own coaching or your your senior men's fixtures, which are out there. In fact, there's State League and men's NPL on a Saturday, then there's amateurs on a Sunday, and there's, man, there's football right for a whole weekend now. There is, and Friday nights too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's good. Ben, it's been fantastic having a chat to you. Really appreciate your time. You're doing a great job with the NTC. Good luck in your game tonight. I'll be there to watch and I'm sure Miranda will be there. I'll on definitely opposite be there. Side. <laughs> 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 no worries. Thanks for the support and thanks for having me on today as well. Good on you. Thanks, Ben. No worries. Thanks, guys. See ya. That was Ben Anderton, who's the NTC head coach. Um, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I'm not sure who I'm going to go for in tonight's game, but I'll just sit back and maybe just uh, watch and appreciate. Mm. Surely the underdog, NTC, <laughs> cheer on yeah, the young guns. Fremantle have done really well. They're pretty um, good, strong squad, young players, mm. good blend, good coaching. Mm. Okay, I think we might go to break and we'll chat more football. She's not going to go for your thing. <laughs> I'll appreciate good football. <laughs> It's Penn, Pete and Miranda on the World Football Program. We'll come back and talk more football with Molly Appleton of Beyond 90. This is the World Football Program. Thanks for tuning in. Back soon. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. West Coast Futsal Association has social competitions at Hollywood Futsal Club in West Perth and the Mount Lawley Futsal Club. Competitions are open for new players looking for a kick around with mates from Monday to Friday. For those looking at higher level futsal, there is the Junior Leagues in Karanjap on weekends and the Male and Female Super League competitions based in Subiaco. For more information, contact Brittany on 0481 881343. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. 
earliest memory of playing football dates back to when I was about five years old. I joined in one of my brother's training sessions and my parents realised I could kick a ball, so signed me up straight away. I guess my lifestyle, I get to travel the world at such a young age and some of my friends have not even been out of Australia, so I guess in that way my life's different. I think being around my teammates so much has sort of changed my friendship group. I mean, back when I was younger, I was always best mates with my schoolmates, but now it's turned into my teammates because I'm seeing them every day and training them every day, so I think that's sort of changed. I probably surf as much as I train uh, with the soccer ball, which most people don't know. My motivation to train is probably going to see my friends and just kicking the ball with them. The best feeling in the world, I mean, that's all. Winning is what we aspire to do, and just once you achieve that, it's just this massive self um, sense of accomplishment, I guess. Football is my life. That was a bit of nostalgia. That was Matilda's always promo from, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 2013. There were some very young voices in that. I wonder <laughs> if you can guess who some of them were. Good morning, Molly. How are you? Good. How are you guys? We're awesome. Did you listen to that promo while you were on hold? Did you recognise some of the voices? I did. I definitely recognised Caitlin Ford at the end of that. Yep. And there was a young and Sam I'm Kerr in there. Sam Kerr, yeah, she would have been in there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sam's, what, 20, 28? 28 now? She's probably at the prime of her footballing career mm-hmm. and getting paid as if she's a prime footballer. But, um, yeah, when she was in her early 20s, she was rocketing up through whatever ranks of football there was. And, I don't know, she's at the place where everyone wishes to be as a ambitious footballer these days yeah absolutely you can't you can't say it's not a dream to go play in england can you Mm. no absolutely not and on the the money that she's got and playing in the league that she's playing in the profile that she's got um yeah she deserves to be on billboards and nike ads and Mm -hmm. whatever else that that brings yeah and i think it's worth noting that um with her brace against vietnam last night she's jumped to equal second on the matilda's all-time scoring list, so she's now equal with Kate Gill and six goals behind Lisa Devanna. You know, I didn't... Sorry, hang on. Who's at the top of that list? Lisa Devanna. 47 goals. Okay. Yeah. And hang on, how many did Tim Cahill score? Is it 50? I think something uh, around there, yeah. yeah. Okay. Do, you think, do we think that Lisa Devanna is going to get the opportunity to score more goals for Australia, Molly? Um, I would hope so. Where can, uh, where can I, we see her fitting in? Like, which mm. where where is she going to land back into the Matildas landscape? At what point? Well, that's the trouble, isn't it? Because you've got Tokyo, um, which of course she's not made the squads in the lead up, so it's you know highly unlikely unless a miracle happens before that. And then you're sort of looking at the new cycle for Eurasian Cup, World Cup, Olympics again. And you know, would Devana have the legs for that? you would have to probably say not. It would have to be somewhere in friendlies or if there's some farewell game or something like that, I would mm. imagine with that, especially with her not actually in the public's eye being in Australia, like over in Italy and stuff, that's not quite, you know, as demanding as what she was when she was 
you know, back back home, I suppose. Mm. Do you know what her schedule of football is for the listeners out there? Lisa Devana is playing in Italy for uh, Fiorentina, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can actually hop online. And uh, I think they stream their games. They certainly put highlights packages out there. Um, but she's becoming uh, – well, it's becoming quiet, isn't it, on the Lisa Devana side? The, the talk about Lisa Devana is, is less and less. But she's playing first-team football. Um, I'm not sure what her goal tally is. I haven't checked on that, I must uh, admit. Uh, I'm looking on uh, Wikipedia, so I don't know how often it's been updated, but it's only showing her as having played two games and scored one goal. For Since last year for Fiorentina. No, she's been playing regular football. Yeah, so I'm, I'm yeah. assuming that hasn't been updated yeah. for a while. So I'm just trying to see if there's an updated one somewhere. Um, let you know. Molly, do you reckon that the quality of football in Italy is uh, comparable to where the other Matildas are playing in their leagues and that she'd be in a uh, very good physical condition, so to speak, to step into the Matildas? Yeah, I would think so. Um, definitely to the Matildas that are playing in the W League in Australia. Um, I think, you know, we've got a great competition, but at the same time, Italy's year-round professional, whilst ours is obviously limited to four, five months yes. max. Um, so I think compared to, you know, our home, our homegrown players. Um, and then if you look at teams like Juventus doing quite well in the championships, um but I'm not too... I don't know too much more about the Italian leagues. I know that they're definitely growing. If you look at um, Italy, who we played in the World Cup, all their players, I think maybe bar one, were all from Italy and they were brilliant. So the standard has to be sort of decent there to pull out the World Cup performance that they've done. Do you think that Lisa went to Italy to play her football because she wanted to keep playing professional football or it was what she thought was an avenue into the Matildas in some way that she wasn't getting otherwise anywhere else? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't... Oh, I would almost think it wasn't with the Matildas hopes. I think, you know, she was obviously in the World Cup squad and I think, um, you know, the fact that she didn't get put on at times when perhaps she would have at the past. In the past, uh, the writing was probably already on the wall, so... You know, I think um, she. I imagine she would have dreamt of playing in Italy at some point, and I think most players l- would love to play anywhere in Europe, and particularly Italy, where they've got that culture of football and yes. a particular style of play. So I think maybe it's one of those of the opportunity came up, her career's you know coming closer to an end. So why not? Why not go and do it? And if it helps Matilda, it's great. If not, it's an experience. Mm. Yes, it does make me sad though, Molly. When in your conversation you said. Farewell game and Lisa Devana in the same <laughs> sentence. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Lisa. She's a Perth girl. And, um, in fact, our radio station is actually in Hamilton Hill. It's very near Spearwood where she was brought up. So she's played all her football very locally to here. And we have, I think we've got a close affinity for her when she's in Perth. She makes herself available to have a chat. And um, she's grown as a person and as a player and as um, her skills talking to the media have grown, which is great. So I, I have an affinity with Lisa and I would like to see her back playing football here, but whether that's possible or not, I don't know. I mean, I think it's fantastic she's playing professional football. Mm. She's in her yeah. early 30s um, and, no, late Mid- 30s? 35, so 35. halfway point. Uh, <laughs> okay, fine, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, what's, On the cuff. What, what's yeah. the kind of prime age for a women's football? Maybe 
28 to 32. Uh, on on the W League stats, the, they're actually much you know, like yeah. 20, 27, 28 for the men and the women's uh, low, low 20s. Yeah. Right. Generally so. That's but then you look at the US and, you know, they've got girls in their 20s, like 27, 28, 29, and that's why yeah. Yes. they are so good because they keep them for much longer. So, yeah, you know, stats are difficult with that, isn't it? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that might be a product of the systems that are producing the players. So if we produce our players from the age of, say, 11 or 12 or 13 here in Australia through mm. SAP and NTC and whatever, and then in America, let's say they start them at five or six in development programs, mm. then they're going to reach their peak uh, with the techniques and skill sets and whatever at a much earlier age than we do here. What do you reckon about that, Miranda? Uh, reaching peaks and w- when players start. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, someone said to me is that the peak player mentally is about 50, year o- 50 years old because they, they have the experience, but then by the time you get to that, your body's no longer <laughs> doing what you want it to do. Um, so I feel like you've got to find a balance between you know experience and uh, peak physical condition. Yeah, I think yeah. if you are the age of 50, it might be peaking in walking football. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Do you know about walking football, Molly? Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard good things about it. Yes, um, I haven't seen it with my own two eyes, but I'm concussion prone, so it's something that I may look at in the future. Yeah, how old are you, Molly? You sound very young. <laughs> I'm 26. Okay, you are. You're in that prime <laughs> footballing age group. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about the W League. Um, we know that Perth Glory. Uh, well, they finished in the bottom part of the W League, which is uh, dis- disappointing, but um, we do have some positives out of that mm. for the mm. year. Uh, N- Natasha Rigby is just Tash, as we mm. are familiar with her over here, um, has had a great season, I mm-hmm. think, with the Glory captain. Yep. And um, 50 caps, so to speak, with the caps. Glory. And Without missing a game as well, 50 caps straight. That is mm. positive, very positive. I think um, the only other person I can think of that probably hasn't missed a game in I don't know how many years is maybe Shannon May. Mm. Whoa, Molly, are you there? I'm here. No, I'm here. Okay. Yeah, that was a I'm funny noise. Listening to Perth, though, it's good. Uh, yes, <laughs> and the other thing that we should uh, note is that um, Andrews, who scored I- in her fourth consecutive game, mm. um, she was named in. Was it the player, the team of the? W League for that month. Go on, Pete. I was going to say Morgan Andrews is equal top scorer yeah. in the W League this yep. season, which is pretty impressive effort yes. from a mm. team that only, no offence to the glory, only won three games. Mm. Um, and for consecutive appearance... There's this, four who are actually on the top goal scorer yeah. list at yeah. this yeah. moment. Yes. For consecutive appearances, uh, Mariana Tabane mm. played 62 matches without missing one wow. for the... Glory women. Yeah. Can we put WA yeah. in there as well, the same sentence, because she's from WA? In the same yeah, area, Spearwood area, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. it is disappointing um, for the Glory. I think it's a new team. Yeah. And with the short season, it took them a while to gel and um, really get together. But I think, you know, three games straight and then uh, probably deserve more out of the loss in, um, in Bunbury. But you could see the team starting to come together. And I think with a longer season, like you see the Glory men's yep. had a shocking start to the season. Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. But now they're up in, what, second place? Yes. Third, third, third place. Third, third place. Yeah. Um, and it's that length of the season that's really, I think, yeah. killed Glory there. Yeah. So, well, 
th- there's a couple of arguments about that, and mm. Molly and Pete, feel free to jump in any time with this. So if you can start your pre-season earlier with that group or make it happen so that you start your pre-season earlier, if the group is young at all inexperienced at playing together, you, you have a longer pre-season so mm-hmm. that when you start your first game, you know, scratch matches and the like, yeah. mm-hmm. you start your first game, you're already learning to play together. Yeah. So um, I think that maybe uh, talk about Popovich and Glory and A-League, that you, uh, yes, the pr- start of the season was not as we all would like, but he kind of gathers momentum in the speed with which the team and the players jump in, like Fornaroli jumped mm. in, yep. um, and they started to bond and gel, and then they moved up the table fairly quickly. Mm. Um, if they had got those players together in the pre-season, would they have started the season better? Absolutely, yeah. they would have. Yeah. And so, and Molly, speaking about the W League, um, we, we can't really do that, though, can we? Mm. Because the players come from all over the place. Yeah. They come from yeah, different countries. Yeah, definitely, definitely difficult with the W League, especially with like not just coming from other countries, but backing up with other leagues. So you know, if they were coming just from other countries and whatever, and it was a full full length season, we could offer them a year round deal. But you know, obviously, that's not the place that the W League's in at the moment. Mm. Um, and yeah, definitely made it difficult because I believe you guys didn't, uh, Perth didn't have their internationals. For round one, Correct. I think it was at least two or three of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's not even any pre-season. There's not even the first game. So I think that definitely, cause, you know, as always, you get that you've you had it decent internationals and that really showed, especially those three games at the back end that you won. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, and Lydia Williams had a good W League, most clean sheets. I think she's eight clean sheets in this season. Just Pretty decent goalkeeper, Matilda's goalkeeper. <laughs> Where do you reckon, Miranda, you're going to take her place one day? We've got to give it to her, Molly. <laughs> oh, look, I'll put money down on that one if you want. There we go. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's start a poll with the listeners, I reckon. Oh, no. Mm. <laughs> no pressure. No, none whatsoever. Just stop getting injured, Miranda. Yeah. And your chances are increasing significantly. <laughs> um, Molly, what do you think about getting a women's... FFA Cup happening in Australia. Do you think there's any practical uh, practicality that that could happen? I don't know practicality, but I think that would be unreal, um, especially with most states having an NPL uh, WA by the sounds of it. It's just got just organised the NPW NPL. Yep, first season um, this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Tasmania is still a step or two behind with the women. Stuff, but we do Northern Territory as well. Yep. And Northern Territory. So um, I think, you know, as all the states and territories are starting to get on board with the NPL, I think, uh, um, you know, an FFA cut would be would be wonderful and would be really great, especially for places like Tasmania that don't get that same visibility, I suppose, without game. Yeah. Mm. We've got a double header tonight of the women's NPL night series grand final and the men's NPL grand final at the same place, double header and I hope that means it's going to be live streamed by Football West which is our state body here but um, that's never happened before well, we haven't had uh, WNPL here mm. before mm. but um, this is good for us Molly is that you know at a prime venue we're getting our two um, prime competitions at the same place. Mm. It's good. good start. Yeah that's great mm. um, that, that's wonderful and we've seen good things um, with double headers, um, with the NPL, and we've got we call it WSL down here uh, for our state league. And when it's a double header, quite often it's really good numbers. 
Mm. Um, and it's a great, great sort of club day, really. Yep. So uh, let's talk uh, W League, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, what games have we got coming up? Because uh, Perth Glory, uh, no more games in the season, uh, unfortunately. It's all, it's all finals now. Yeah. yeah, it is all finals. And all Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. Only Sydney and Melbourne teams in the final. What does that say about the strongest parts of the footballing landscape in women's football? Mm. means that Glory are unlucky. Because <laughs> I'm a one-eyed, one-eyed Glory person. Yeah, finishing with 11 points <laughs> and seventh on the table. I don't know about unluck mm. with that one. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the games that are happening uh, and when are they happening? What's, is Next weekend. Yeah. So the, it seems that there's a bye this weekend mm-hmm. for women's internationals with the, yep. with the um, Olympic qualifiers. Yep. And so on the 14th next weekend, so Saturday, uh, Melbourne Victory hosts Sydney FC. Melbourne Victory have never failed to score a goal when playing at home against Sydney FC, and Sydney have never oh, failed to score a goal when playing away against Melbourne Victory. So <laughs> they've both always scored when they've played in Melbourne. Uh, and then on the Sunday, it's Melbourne City against Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, Melbourne City currently on an 11-match winning streak and undefeated in their last 14, mm. which isn't bad in a 12-game season. It means they're carrying on from the previous season. See what you can do. So I'm just about to have a go at Pete, Molly. Mm. So see what you can do when you put a W League lot of stats somewhere out there. You can refer to it and talk more women's football. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. Yeah, it's lovely. So Pete <laughs> runs a site called the aleaguestats.com and so, you know, he's been on the show for a little while now so he, he kind of was encouraged to do something in the women's football space. So he, he did wleaguestats.com. It's all up there now. Mm-hmm. It took forever to get in the database but it's all in there now. So, Jolly good. Yeah. I'm going to have to have a good look at that, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, you do that and give him some feedback too. Go for it. Definitely. And uh, it is International Women's Day tomorrow. So in that space, the West Australian Football Hall of Fame are inviting former state team players, WA state team players, down to the glory game. And also there's been a Matilda's uh, lot of recognition about that in the last few weeks. Molly, do you know about the events that have been happening in the recognition of former Matilda's? Um, no, sorry, I've, I've missed, I must have missed that this week. So, uh, there's a, I can't think of the Facebook group, uh, on, uh, Facebook group that I've linked to the Women's Soccer page at the moment, but Sandra Bentnell, a legend of West Australian football and former Matildas, uh, was definitely part of the group that had gone over east in the last few weeks to meet up with other former Matildas and catch up at the Matildas game last night. That was one of the events. And then just generally to get together and talk about women's football history and events. So um, uh, Trixie has been spearheading that and landing information on the World Football Program and womenssoccer.com.au Facebook pages to engage our listeners and Facebookers about that. So there's been a lot more recognition of not just what's happening for our current Matildas, but our former Matildas. So you might maybe want to do a bit of research on that, Molly. So next time we have you on the show, you can <laughs> speak more about that. Oh, absolutely. I know that they did something similar when they had the uh, Chile Australia yeah. match in Parramatta. They were recognising a lot of a lot of those players, and it was great. Like a, a heap of them were at the pub beforehand, and it was really great to see them there. Yeah, it is, and this is uh, engaging people in in different parts of the game too it's like if you're at a club and you've got a senior state team and they don't train at the same space as the junior team but the junior team they really want to be 
like the senior team players. So how do you connect mm. the two? You, you've got to mm-hmm. you know, get them in the same space. You've got to talk about them. You've got to bring some of the players down to training in their lovely track suits and looking all healthy and, and fit and whatever so that they go, ooh, we want to be like you and you shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to connect the dots. You've got to do those things, right? And someone's got to do the connecting, Molly. We're the connectors yeah. here. We are the Definitely. connectors. All right. So let's talk about the Matildas mm. in the Olympic qualifiers. What do you reckon, Miranda? Um, it was a convincing win, yeah. 5-0. I think mm-hmm. pretty safe to say that would get us through to the Olympics, although touch wood, don't want to jinx it. But, um, yeah, I think the girls played well. I d- definitely don't think it was their best game um, of the qualifiers. Um, but what, Why? Do you reckon because they the, the opposition that they didn't kind of feel like they had to push themselves? Yeah. Um, it, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. But um, I think I enjoyed watching, you know, you know, the 7-0 games, obviously higher goal-scoring games, better to watch. But also the football in those games, it was a lot more, you know, playing defeat combinations mm-hmm. in the midfield. While um, this game's most of our goals were scored by our preferred option, which is down the wings, you know, attacking fullbacks, getting yes. around and crossing in. Um, just like, say, Steph Catley and Ellie Carpenter both had... Brilliant games. They did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Ellie Carpenter is very consistent these mm-hmm. days, very consistent. And accuracy of yeah. crosses, getting those into the right places where mm-hmm. our forwards are running into or already are, great. Yeah, put on a dime for Sammy with that yeah. first one. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> um, I did think they struggled a bit with offsides. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. what the cause would have been that for that. Probably get your opinion on that one, Molly. Um, I think it could be, I sort of put it, Offsides down to two different things where one is, you know, a Sam Kerr who's been playing with Chelsea where her passes she's receiving is one touch, so she, mm. there's no hesitation in her run whilst our players on the ball have that hesitation, whether that's because we haven't played together too much recently mm-hmm. or whether it's because they're just not at that same level. Um, and then another one's just, you know, just not checking your runs mm. and, you know, that laziness of that happens with a forward and I think, you know, there are a couple of times when Gilnick was on the field and I think she was just too excited and, (laughs) you know, there was one time where her and uh, forward were there and it was 2v1 with the keeper and Mm. if she just stayed on side, it would have been an easy pass goal but she was too excited and was in the wrong spot so forward had to hit the post. Mm. Um, So I think, yeah, it's twofold. So I don't know what it was all the time but Mm. definitely it was very obvious that they weren't on the same page. Yeah. Sam Kerr came out this week um, expressing the toll that travels have taken on her recently um, with all the flights in and out of England to Australia. Um, she still bagged a brace, but do you reckon mm. she's performing below her potential because of these travels? Um, I would. I, I think she's also... I've heard she had influenza and she had a hammy problem or mm-hmm. some form of leg problem as well. Um, so watching her against Chelsea... Uh, playing for Chelsea, sorry, uh, you can see that. I think for the midfielders, she does always seem to lift and find that other gear. So I don't think we've completely seen that with the midfielders. And maybe mm. that's also because we do play her a bit more. Um, we know how how to get the best out of her whilst, you know, still very much learning how everyone works at Chelsea. Mm. Um, so I think it was a, it's a mix of things. Obviously, the travel's not nice. It's long, long flights. And mm. obviously, she's not really had an off-season in the last 10 years, probably. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, I wonder so how I think, the yeah. pr- the players playing full-time professional, like Caitlin Ford is another one, of course, mm. um, how we're going to go getting the players 
from their clubs mm. um, playing at that higher level. And, you know, maybe it'll work out that the Cutland Fords and the Sam Kerrs playing at that intense level week in, week out, and the other players in the materials who are not, the gap will be less over mm. time, a very short space of time, I would think, because there's more players playing that professional football at that intense level mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, and then, like you said, Miranda, about the travel, mm. uh, Australia to anywhere else, yeah. it's a yeah. long way. Yeah. Yep. And doing that a lot is like a day of travel and then recovery. Mm. And if mm. you're in that recovery phase, because how if you have an international break and it's, I don't know, a weekend of fixes and you go back and you go to your training session like two or three days in another space and mm. place and having to go back, it's got to have a toll on your body. Yeah. And, and mm. how does the club manage that? Mm. How does the national yeah, team program manage I think that? For Sam, I think for Sam Kerr, I heard somewhere on the commentary that she's not actually been training with the team because of a lot of those things that, mm. you know, the difficulty she's faced with, you know, getting back to match fitness and um, injuries and sickness and travel is just, you know, I think she's only trained with the team a handful of times because of that reason. And, um, I think after the match, when we quizzed about the travel, uh, Sam was like, oh, we've got excellent medical staff. So, you know, it does put a lot of pressure on them and hoping that they get it right, mm. Mm. Um, especially in the lead up to a major tournament. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Um, I did want to mention too that uh, in the top goal scoring list for the uh, w League is four players on seven goals at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, Dowie, Andrews, Sampson and Hamilton from uh, Melbourne Victory, Perth Glory, woohoo, mm-hmm. Sydney and Western Sydney Wanderers. Mm. That's pretty cool. Seven goals. Yep. Well done, yep. girls. Cut the trophy in four. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. What do you do? Well, three of those players will be playing finals, yeah. so there's a chance to bag another goal or two. I know, mm. I think I think the way the FFA do it, they don't count finals no, for your goal scoring tables. Golden but boots already. Yeah. Mm. W League stats. We it just would have been great for Van, Emily Van Egmont to bag another so it's yeah. a five-way <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's been playing pretty consistently. I like how she's playing in the team after the Matilda's coach changeover. I really do. There mm. seems to be a different dynamic in the squad now. Uh, it's uh, like a settled player of football and a... Uh, and Miranda mentioned it earlier about the passing to feet. Mm. Like they play back forwards, back forwards. Some of the passing does go astray, too, which annoys me greatly like <laughs> a professional player. Like how can you miss hitting the target just to a pass to a player? But they do that sometimes. But other than that, the improvement mm. in the dynamic of the squad and how they're playing is like I'm excited by that. Mm. And I see that and think, ooh, okay, so if we keep doing that and then we play against those teams that have been bogey teams for us in the future at the international tournaments, we're going to do just that bit better. Mm. I yeah. like it. Molly, we are going to have to let you go. Thank you very much for joining us on the program. We do appreciate it. And please do come back and have a chat to us about more women's football. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. I've had a great time. Yeah, no problem. And I know it's a long way, Tasmania, from everything football. You must do a bit of travel yourself to catch up on stuff. Yeah, I've I've been in Sydney and Melbourne a lot more than what I would originally plan if I wasn't so involved with football. So definitely a lot of travel. But you guys would also feel the same. I know you've got the A League, W League, but any anything else you'd have to travel a bit. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your football. I will. You too. See ya. Thanks, Molly. Bye. Molly Appleton from Beyond Ninety, one of the journalists on the team there, who works with Sarah Grube and Cheryl Downs.